Hello everyone and welcome to the Wealth Tech Show. Today we're looking at integration. It's such a basic problem and yet it's one of the biggest problems that we face in financial services and technology. It seems we're forever rekeying data and our technology solutions don't really speak to each other. So how big's the problem? Let's go back to 2020. Uh, well-known platform consultant Heather Hopkins, managing director of Next Wealth, described the integration situation as an industry-wide disgrace. Those are strong words. So Allow me to welcome Ian Hutchinson and Emma Napier from Bravura Solutions. Uh, welcome to the Wealth Tech Show. Uh, I'm going to start with a really basic question following on from what I've just said. It's 2022 now. Uh, obviously, it's mid-January as we have this interview. Is integration still an industry-wide disgrace? Well, that's, um, that is a strong statement. Um, I think you're right, 2022. Um, uh, we, we probably should be further ahead than we are um and it's um as the years roll on they do they do they do roll on very quickly i can't believe we've been two years in a pandemic as well <laughs> um and i think if you look back at where we were 20 years ago um things have moved on a lot more that, than, than you would expect you know uh, that there was a, 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 a serious lack of integration and and a, a lot of um uh, things that that were being processed in a manual way um, uh, historically, and I think things have moved on. I mean, the very concept of things like AI and and, and those those types of uh, um, uh, um, technologies are, are now starting to be embedded. But I would say they're not well integrated at this point. Yeah, you, you realise you're making it harder for me to write headlines by saying that things aren't terrible. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But no, it is good. And, and Emma, you know, what's what's your take? I just think so so for me I've come from the advisor community itself um, and I know firsthand how really 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 difficult it is to a integrate technology um, from from the advisor upwards but also it's also really frustrating from a from the advisor community to receive that integrated technology as well because you don't actually know as you're evolving in this crazy world of ours because it is evolving and so very very quickly who does what and how do you do it first and 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 who shouts the loudest uh, normally uh, delivers the, the the first kind of stake in the ground and i think that heather's quite right that um, integration is a massive problem but i think we we aren't yet at the um the the state of knowing which bits to integrate and which is actually going to make a difference mm -hmm. and i think that the industry is still in that um that flux of confusion as to who's going to do it how do we do it does it start from the advisor does it start from the client does it start from the provider is it the platform? Who pays for it? How does it work? All of those sorts of things are still very much up in the air. Um, so I think, yes, we're still in um, a state of needing some decent integration, but we're actually still evolving as an industry. And I, I don't want to use the pandemic as an excuse, <laughs> but... Yeah. You know, I think some of these things are client-led as well, so customer-led. So there, there, there is an expectation from um, clients that integration will naturally happen, and, and we're backpedaling a bit. So I think that, um, as to Ian's point, things like artificial um, intelligence or just automation or anything that makes the whole process and an advisor goes through or a client expects or a provider delivers has to 
happen quicker and more efficiently. Yeah, I really like the point you make about how no one quite knows whose responsibility it is to fix the problem and how there's going to be innovations coming from different people because there's <laughs> isn't that just the integration problem all over? People doing different things with different intentions and different methods. Uh, the reason I've brought you guys onto this podcast, obviously, is to talk about what Bravura is doing uh, and, and microservices is a big part of that. So for those who aren't aware of it, I think I think a number of our listeners are, but it's still a suitably kind of jargony word, isn't it? Microservices. Could you could you talk us through, uh, you know, what they are and how you think they f- help fix the the integration issues that we have? Yeah, sure. So, um, well, it actually introduces an integration problem at the beginning if if you don't do it in the right way. But um, yeah, so the concept of microservices for for those people that don't even know what that means um, is um, moving away from having sort of a monolithic platform one one piece of technology one piece one large piece of technology that does all of the jobs and actually breaking that down into micro modules modules of services um, and and actually what that does is it allows you to have small parts of uh, of, of the infrastructure that that are really best of breed uh, are doing what they do uh, and you can concentrate on 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 smaller components it allows you to um, work in those areas, in those smaller areas, have expertise in those smaller areas and, and manage them in um, in an isolated way. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if, if you're going to improve one of those components or microservices, um, you can you can work on that alone and you can do it in a much quicker way without impacting everything else. And, and it's sort of, for me, it takes us into a world of moving away from completely replatforming and, and, and these huge programs that um, seem to go on forever so it was an incremental change incremental change yeah absolutely and i know when we talked about this in the past uh the the analogy i used was it's like having an app store for your platform um to give it a bit of kind of real world application what what kind of uh you know what kind of thing qualifies as a microservice what kind of thing would you bolt into your into your ecosystem essentially so i think um again kind, kind of thinking from from the advisor community there are certain elements of regulation that have uh, been enforced on the industry over the last few years that have meant that advisors really need to knuckle down and make sure that they are delivering the right um, regulated services to their clients and, and they're double checking that all the time. So CGT, for instance, is mm-hmm. one of them. It springs to mind straight away. Uh, so does costs and charges and MIFID 2 and all of those types of ref, um, of regulation. Um, and, and at Bravura, we have, and as Ian has just explained about microservices, we have a number of those microservices that just focus on those individual issue so one of them being CGT if you want a really super fast CGT module or um, I'm going to say microservice because that's that's what it is it just does CGT and that's it but it does it super well super fast super efficient and delivers the right outcome it doesn't try to do anything else so CGT is one of them costs and charges is another um, efficiency and operational efficiency within a, um, a platform is another one and um, you know AI and whatever the evolution of that proposition needs to be there is a microservice that can help propel that um, into the future without having to upset any of the other core technology. Mm-hmm. And obviously the the thing this was juxtaposed with was the idea of an end-to-end monolithic uh, you know solution. Mm. Why is it that that can't work? Um, so, I mean, it has it has worked in the past. Um, I think you know we can say that there there are monolithic platforms that have done a job 
um, and and actually the integration within within that that platform maybe to a digital front end system via some APIs has 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 begun to do a fairly good job. Um, it's really the future um, that we're worried about and the agility and speed of change that, w- that we're going to need. Um, and and that that can only be made possible within a microservice structure where we can literally focus on individual components, make a quick change without having to completely regression test the whole uh, the whole infrastructure every time you make a single change. Um, and, and I think the speed of change is only going to uh, uh, only going to accelerate, increase. Uh, you know, so that that's kind of why why it needs to move into that into that world. I think the two have got to exist together as well. So you know, we haven't stopped um, selling our monolithic platform, for instance. Um, it's still you know very widely respected in the market because it does such a solid job. However, you can't um, anticipate what's going to happen with regulation or where the industry is going to go because it changes so quickly and that's where the microservices help. So the two exist together Um, and and sometimes you might have a big monolithic platform where you just think the microservice can can help supercharge that particular area and and the two are very well integrated together. So just back to your first point about integration, Mm. they work really well together. Um, microservices and, and, and monolithic systems. Yeah, and it seems it's all about flexibility now rather than just scale. And uh, you know, you mentioned APIs or application programming interfaces. It's a lovely term, isn't well it? Done, Very good. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just not a sexy term, is it? Let's be honest. Really. And um, even what they do is, is fairly boring at a surface level, isn't it? It's just communication between two programs. But you know, I'm constantly writing about them. And I think I can give some explanation, but I'd rather hear it from you. Why should a wealth manager or a financial advisor listening to this podcast care about APIs? <laughs> yeah, uh, they they probably shouldn't have to care about APIs or even understanding what that means. Um, they, they they just need to know that they're they're using services that that that, that have got uh, you know a good integration and and good use of APIs. Um, clearly, if we're going to have incremental modules all talking to each other. How on earth do you do that if you can't send and receive messages very easily and quickly to each other? Uh, and that can only be done via um, uh, via clear messaging. And APIs is, 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 is the best example of that. Um, so um, a- any advisor or a- any customer um, needs to know that the solutions that they're using um, ha- have good APIs and, and have, have that, that are well integrated. Otherwise, they're just not going to get speed of service or good service. Yeah, and the, the flip to that, or the way of understanding it rather than talking about APIs is probably, it's rekeying data, isn't it? It's as simple as that. Passing information, yeah. 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 Okay, and let, let's move on from that, because as I said, as much as it's important, it's not that exciting. Um, yeah, so if I'm a wealth manager or financial advisor listening to this podcast, what telltale signs would there be that I need to, um, you know, look at my platform technology and look for something different because it's one thing to identify an issue it's another thing to know what an issue is i think a lot of the market probably accepts a lot of things as standard that actually aren't aren't standard or even remotely good at all so what are the giveaway kind of signals that you need to reassess your tech stack loads loads of areas (laughs) so uh, yeah i mean we could go on forever so i think um you, you could probably recognize it from a few angles you, you could you, if you're if you're talking to your technology experts or your 
or, or your operations team that's running the platform, or, or you're speaking to your customers, right? So these are these are all the three areas where you're going to recognise you, you've got old tech or, or legacy tech. So if you start with operations, if you've got loads of staff operating and manning this whole thing, then you know something's going wrong. It's not very efficient, which means you're probably not using the most, the, the, the best technology or, 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 or the best um, solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, if you speak to your, to your technical guys, they'll, they'll understand the technology that you're using and whether it's modern technology. Um, and, and your customers will probably recognise it through the service they're getting, through the user experience. Um, so I think you, without getting into great detail you could go into any of those areas and 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 recognize um uh, um, that something's wrong and there's a and there's an alarm bell i think just um on that point as well um for me there's a huge um point to make about value for money so if you're a financial advisor and a financial advisor using that investment if we're talking investment platforms using that investment platform to um to deliver a service to your client that your client is paying for then you need that to be value for money and um you know sort of five ten years ago value for money meant bells and whistles and you know the the more shiny things that um, came with your platform the more you could justify selling that to um to your client but actually things have backtracked a bit and and value for money um that we hear from our clients is actually just being efficient as ian said why would you have if 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 you are a financial advisor and you want to change someone's address why does it take three weeks to be able to do that? Because it goes into a system, and then somebody picks it up, and then somebody changes it on the system, then you get the information back. You know, that that's just, in any other um, environment, you could do it on your phone. I mean, you can you can change your shopping list and, um, and, and change Heinz baked beans to Branston baked beans in two seconds. Now, the same sorts of automation um, can happen now in financial services within a platform if you just get the automation right and the the connections right and you understand where that value is so that's where i think that um that we can start to as a as a platform industry and as financial advisors using platforms just secure and value that um that customer experience yeah and and do you think providers generally understand this because one of my favorite things to see on uh, you know, financial advice Twitter is people moaning that they've been on the you know phone to a life assurance provider or you know a product provider for hours only to get some pretty pointless message, or they've been waiting months for some paperwork to come through. Do do you think generally providers are understanding the operate you know the need for operational efficiencies? Yeah, I, th- I think they do. I, I think uh, you know I think it would be unreasonable to say that people don't understand they need to do these things it's just actually executing these things is is not always easy um and i think there's a number of things in our industry especially you know within financial services especially why why sometimes we're probably seen as late adopters uh and and it's around regulation control which introduces uh complex processes bureaucracy and compliance areas and and, and all of this stuff we're actually incentivized to slow things down and be very careful around what we're doing. Um, and, and that actually can, uh, can, can mean that we're actually slower to adopt um, new technologies. Yeah, I find it interesting because 
like you say, I think people do understand there's a need for it, and at the same time, there are there are some inefficiency that seems to be yeah built into the system. Uh, some some research I was looking at uh, the other day, which was Capgemini's World Wealth Report uh, from 2020, it showed that 74% of high net worth individuals um, would consider wealth management from one of the big tech companies, so an Amazon or you know anyone anyone of that kind of ilk or an Apple or whoever else, which is which is kind of something to consider isn't it because as much as we accept a certain degree of inefficiency we accept certain things i can't imagine one of them big tech players getting into the space and someone waiting two months to get a report back mm. and I, I do i do wonder if that's something we should be mindful of i think i think there's always that fear around the corner and there has been for a while um that that amazon or google or, or one of these big tech providers will be able to inverted commas, do financial services. But I think that's where the, um, the, the industry has an advantage because you can't automate or tech yourself out of everything where financial services is concerned. And whilst, you know, there's lots and lots of surveys that will talk about, um, like you said, 74% of people said they would consider it, they probably would because they're familiar with that process. They know that it's easy to go and buy something on Amazon. They know it's going to be delivered and they'll understand it because it's easy. And the trouble is with financial services, um, in some respects, is it just gets a bit complicated when regulation gets involved so as far as an advisor delivering that service and that whites of the eyes conversation to to lead someone into where they should invest their money and what they're investing it in for the future and you know how they're going to deliver that whether it's a fund or whether it's the platform or whatever it is you can't automate all of that and that's where you know without getting into a whole different conversation about a whole different subject um there's technology that can support a lot of that journey. It needs to be simple, it needs to be agile, it needs to be all of the things that we've just mm. spoken about in terms of those microservices. But it also, there is that element of some of it you can't because the advisor community will still need to do the whites of the eyes check. Mm. Um, they will still need to ask those soft facts. They will still need to engage with that person and create some trust. So. I've forgotten what your original question was. But I get passionate about it. Yeah, I do. The idea of the big tech giants coming in and taking our money, taking our jobs, all that kind of stuff. I think that, yeah, and that's, as Emma just said, they'd find it quite frustrating. So the big tech giants would immediately get bogged down with regulatory barriers and things like that that would slow them down in the same way. Because don't we think that, you know, that... Like, like we do at Bravura, you know, there's a number of technology companies that um, use all the same sorts of technologies. We use, this, you know, there's similar technologies being used. Mm -hmm. um, it's just it's harder to adopt because of some of the uh, the controls that we have, which is there to protect the customer, right? So there has to be a, a balance. And I think that's the, that's the thing that needs to happen going forward is getting that right balance between the regulators protecting the customer, but allowing us to actually move forward quickly enough to give the benefits to the customer yeah. so there's no point protecting them that much that everything stays expensive and we yeah. don't move forward yeah. be confident in the technology that you have got that delivers the certain amount of the job but actually you know reinforcing that with some manual stuff that just needs to be there for the right reasons um, and that's the point about the tech side of things you, you you have to be confident that your tech can support exactly what your proposition needs to be now but also agile enough to be able to change direction if you need it that's where the microservices come in um, and that's where we see 
we see the future. Yeah, and, and also a message I kind of take from that is you look at these big tech companies getting involved. I suppose that's only going to be the case once you've got a very scalable business model. Once you're looking at mass market, it's probably not necessarily in the uh, within the remit of your typical wealth manager or advisor. Um, so another question, of course, is, is, is data. So we're talking about APIs. We're talking positively about ways that we can improve communications, improve efficiencies. Do you think we're at a point now where we can trust the data that's actually going into the systems? Well, data is it's always... Um uh, only what you put in is, is what you get out. You know, it's the your, your quality of data is is always absolutely central to everything, and it, it is in that microservice structure as well. Um, you have to be careful how you're managing data. Um, now, your question was, do we trust the data? Did, did you say? Yeah, and you know I think I'm, I'm probably asking the wrong question, really, because data. I mean, that's massive, isn't it? I mean, what data am I referring to? Even. Yeah. I think perhaps the issue is. Um, what kind of data can we accurately make use of? And what kind of stuff can we scale? Because we look at these two different business models. Your typical IFA gets some in intangible stuff, that face-to-face -face stuff, you can't scale that. But what data um, is going to drive the innovation of the future? What data do we need to have? Yeah, so I think there's um, uh, there's different data sets that we can use. And, and I think if you, you've just been talking about the big, the big guys, you know, the big tech providers and how they've been using data, they use, they use lots of data. Uh, uh, customer-based data, um, and uh, if we if we talk about uh, artificial intelli intelligence and machine learning, mm -hmm. that's a great example of where they've really driven forward um, and used data in very clever ways. Uh, and, and we've started to do that within financial services as well. We're just probably a bit behind because of all those reasons we've just been talking about. Um, but I think if we can use customer data better in, in, in the right ways, in, the, in, in ethical ways, we can help them with not only um, probably some of the, you know, the, one of the big subjects of the day is um, ESG, of, not of the day, of, of, of current times, um, for all the right reasons. Now, if we can collect that data and use that data in the right way, then customers will be able to choose their investments and, and be able to invest in what they want to uh, what, what they want to invest in and be able to see what they're investing in properly. It will all become more transparent and accessible. And that's a great example. And using the, the technologies um, that we've just talked about is, is one way of doing that. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you, you touch upon machine learning and artificial intelligence, I think are you know, particularly interesting areas. Uh, what can they do for us right now and how can they push uh, our sector forward? Yeah, what what do you think they're going to be able? You know, what, what are they going to empower us to do that we couldn't do previously? Oh, I know this is your subject, Ian, but this you. is where I get quite excited. <laughs> you go but, first. Um, <laughs> you're you're much more advanced on this than me. But where I see that um, really driving forward is one of the things that that we've developed um, is things like sentiment. So. Um, if, if you're using artificial intelligence to change someone's address or transfer, you know, I don't know, make a withdrawal or whatever it is that you're using the artificial intelligence to do, if you've also got some added value in terms of sentiment in there, there's some really cool stuff that the end customer... Yeah, or, or you can um, derive from the end customer as to how they're feeling at the time that they input that data. And if that's that they're really feeling really fed up and frustrated because they've sat on the phone for three days and, and trying to change their address, so they're just going to, um, you know, use this automated service and it's a lot more efficient, that can determine 
whether someone actually decides that they're going to, you know, sell all their investments because they're just so fed up that you haven't answered the phone or not, just from the sentiment of how they're asking for that information to be um, to be delivered. And that, I think, is cool, because yeah. then you are you are so uh, as a provider, you are far, far, far more forward to, to thinking about how you deliver that customer service going forward if everyone's fed up with your telephone system or everyone's fed up because it takes four days to to do anything you can change things instantly so we weren't like that 10 years ago we couldn't use that data to be able to improve the customer service and that's the message that i think technology can um, can help and Spotting. Sorry, yeah. have I said the right thing? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I think you've done all right, Emma, yeah. 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 Oh, I get myself uh, in uh, such a state. I think sentiment's a really good example. Uh, and um, for those people who don't really know what machine learning and artificial intelligence is, so machine learning is a form of artificial intelligence. Um, and basically, the easiest way to explain this is if you speak to machine learning experts and engineers, they can get very technical and confuse people very quickly on this. But the way I... For someone like me, uh, in, in, in layman's terms, it's it's very easily understood by just it, what it is is it's taking data um, and it's using a machine or algorithms uh, to 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 search for patterns in that data and then do something. Right, that's all it is. Right, and there's a whole host. Of, of different ways and different things that you can do. And, you know, someone technical would start talking about supervised learning, unsupervised learning. But let's not go down that path because actually Emma's example was perfect. You know, in let's, let's just use a practical example of a team of people, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, um, looking at letters from customers. Um, now we'd probably say they're emails from customers. Um, uh, uh, that that could take that team of people all day to just read through them and 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 actually type them up into a system and then decide what they're going to do. And by the time they've done that, some of those customers could be complaining already, um, or, or or that they're not getting any sort of response. These day these days with with machine learning, what we can do is get those patterns very very quickly structured. We can get the data out almost in real time um, and and processed through very very quickly the machines doing this rather than people okay and and what we're doing is at the same time looking at the sentiment of the language that's being used and you can proactively manage that very very quickly you know in in times gone by you'd be looking at the the, the you know oh why did we get so many complaints what was the root cause of those complaints from last month right and that could yeah. have been another month of complaints before you're even looking at why that was caused and These, it's too late yeah and it's too late because yeah. you've already had a load more complaints now you're looking at the sentiment in real time and you're proactively doing something about that the day it's happening. You know, yeah, I'm, that, I'm seeing two difference. sides to that. Actually. One which is great, which is that if I'm running a service, I can immediately spot who's close to walking out, who's close to, like, you know, whose business I'm about to lose. The other thing I'm thinking is if I'm a customer, I might just be really, really grumpy in future so I get the best service possible. Mm. But, I mean, I guess it's, it's still exciting to see what you can do with it, though, isn't it? I mean, machine learning, AI, they do take us into a different space. Although one thing I, I would ask about that is is how much of what we see is genuinely artificial intelligence rather than say just a complex decision tree. You know, is is it possible that there genuinely is intelligence, you know, behind the thing, or or is it, or is that just the best way to describe something that is in fact just a, you know, like I said, a big decision tree? Yeah, I think uh, um, uh, uh, true machine learning is where, where you do have um, the, the right technologies in place and the right experts dealing with that so that 
the machine learning is actually the machine learning and the, it's identifying patterns and it's continually doing that in, 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 in the right way. Um, you've just talked about a decision tree. That kind of reminds me of where, you know, robotics has been in the past and, and automation in, in, in some of the earlier stages where it was, okay, let's just repeat what a human is doing, okay? And, and a human would press this key, then it would do this step, and, and that's kind of decision tree stuff, yeah? And, and that's what robotics robotics is very good at doing uh, at the early stages. Um, machine learning is far more complicated than that, and, and it gets more technical, and, and it continually assesses patterns in the data rather than just repeating human steps. So it's doing it's doing more than just you know th those those simple tasks, and, and that's what real machine learning is. I think also for me. Um there's that internal focus and there's that external focus. So we spoke about how the client feels when they're they're you know sending a letter in and the sentiment and all all of the the bits and pieces around that that we've already said. But also internally, if you are a business that's introduced some uh, machine learning and and um, uh, and the AI is delivering you back the data. You can then start looking at your operational efficiencies as well within other areas of that business, which might then tell you that actually, can we just speed up a process of doing a particular thing and start automating it? For, is, there a, is there a microservice for that? Mm -hmm. You know, can we start changing various different elements of our core system or core technology? Because that is going to make the whole experience much, much better. And that's when I think it gets quite exciting because you've then got the providers and the um, uh, the, the providers of the future that are constantly evolving what this technology does for them. It doesn't just serve a purpose for here and now. Mm -hmm. It looks at the future and it uses the machine learning to play back into the business to be able to evolve and, and, and scale and then goes back to that agility and change direction and, and create that um, automation where, where the computer, uh, the, computer mm -hmm. the technology mm -hmm. can do the job better than you know, a team of 20 people, for instance, or not. But yes, it's giving it's, you that data. And it's essentially, so it's continually improving and, and it's always looking for change rather than uh, rather than a decision tree being the same forevermore. Yeah. You know, it, it's always looking for improvement and change. And that's the difference. Okay, fascinating. I've got time for one more question. And this just goes back to a focus group I held a couple of months ago, actually. I was asking some of our readers, um, you know, what, what they want from the content that, that I put together and that we put together. And then one thing that came out was that people want like a win you know when they listen to something or read something what's the one thing i can take away from it and then apply to my firm now if there's one thing that you think advice and wealth firms are missing out on or they can easily do to improve their their company what thing would that be for you two can i go first <laughs> um i think engage your customer with technology and don't be scared of it so i've spent years and years um, talking to financial advisor firms um, and wealth managers about that fear factor around technology because I think we're through that barrier now and, and now is such a good time to be able to engage your customer with the right type of technology and it doesn't need to be uh, complicated. Um, so, so that would be my, my one thought. Sorry, Ian. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and exactly that. So embrace technology. Make sure you're working with the right people and the right partners to embrace that technology. Otherwise, you're going to fall behind and your service will fall behind. Great stuff. 
Emma, Ian, thank you so much for joining me on the Wealth Tech Show and thank you to everyone who's listening in. Goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.